So 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation. It says this. And we know and understand and are conscious of and believe the love God has for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. We have assurance of boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out the door and expels every trace of terrorism. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. We'll just stop there. Fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And in an overcoming life, I want to particularly talk today about overcoming fear and overcoming strife. There are so many opportunities every single day for us to fear and for us to get in strife and contention, whether we get in strife and contention about politics, about referendums, or about what we did last night, or about things that are going on in our work life, or whatever. There's so many opportunities to be full of contention And I really believe that God wants us to be at peace. And, um, you know, this is everywhere. And and when it says when lovers come to completion, it will kick out fear. None of us are fully perfected in love yet. Is there anybody that is fully perfected in love? No. We are on a learning journey, a process of receiving the love of God to cast out fear from our lives. We are on the process of overcoming. You and I know... There are some things in our life we overcome in that we didn't overcome in 12 months ago. There are some things in our life we still got to overcome in. But we're making progress. Thank God that we're not like we used to be. Amen? We've made progress in our Christian life. Hopefully we have. And they only made some progress. Be honest. Praise the Lord. You've all made progress. And God sees that progress and honors you for it. But he wants us to live an overcoming life. And if we're going to live this kind of life, we've got to deal with fear and strife. In my own prayer, coming up here and living here for three years, I would say one of the principalities that operates over this area, because the Bible talks about principalities and powers in Ephesians chapter 6, and they operate uh, over where people live and communities and so forth. One of them, I believe very strongly, is, is division and strife. Um, very big in this area. But you know what? Jesus is bigger. So I'm not focusing on that as, oh, you know, beware, you know. I'm just saying it's good to be aware of what God is, what, what God is doing and what these things try to do as well. So I really believe, and you can see it, you can see it in our society. You know, you've got quite a lot of division within a growing primary Uh, ethnic minority that's a Pakistani community and the indigenous white community. You've got other communities here, but there's there's quite a division between. But when you fellowship with sort of white Yorkshire people, 
They're very sociable, very nice people. When you fellowship within the Pakistani community, you find they're very nice, very sociable people. So what's the problem? It's a spur of division. It's saying, I'm not like you because of this, that, and the other, and therefore we're different. But God sees us all as his children. And racism has no place in the kingdom of God, and division has no place in the kingdom of God. And guess what? When I say in the kingdom of God, what I'm saying is in our hearts because the kingdom's within us. No place for it. And part of being an overcomer is realize that racism, division, strife, separation are all fear-based. You're a racist if you are because you're afraid. Very quiet in here after a nice time of praise. You treat somebody badly because you're afraid. You're contentious about this and contentious about that because you're afraid. Don't like the cut of that guy's jib. Why? You're afraid. Don't like the way that person does things. Don't like the way that lady speaks to me. Why? Because you're afraid. Boils down to fear, self preservation, self centered, selfish, seeking living. That way, we're afraid. But God wants the fear out of us because we were never destined to live with fear. We were never destined to live overcome by fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You know, fear is a spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, He's given us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a spirit of. Love, power, and sound mind. It's not soundness of mind to think that, to compete and compare yourself with one another. It's not soundness of mind to think somebody is lesser because of the content of their character or the color of their skin. They're not lesser. Am I saying, are you saying, Jeff, it's not right to disagree with anybody. We've got to be PC. No, I hate political correctness. Hate it. It's another opportunity to bind us and bring us into fear. I can disagree with somebody without it being a hate crime. But it's how I disagree, isn't it? It's the spirit and the attitude from which I disagree. Is it from a place of judgment or is it from a place of saying, I love you, you're more important than the thing we disagree on. But I still disagree with you and I have a right to do that without feeling like I'm a terrible person because guess what, I'm not a terrible person, I'm a son of Jesus. So the church has got to become less fearful in sometimes disagreeing with stuff as long as we're still willing in our disagreement to empathize and put ourselves in the shoes of those people, it may be a particular minority that's been persecuted for many, many years. It may be a person's race or a person's lifestyle or a person's background that we disagree with. But overcoming is the fact that we overcome by world-overcoming faith that's inside of us. We live by faith and not by sight. So I have faith in that person's ability to connect with God who is love, despite all the other stuff I see. Why? Because that's the way God's told me to live. That everything else that a person thinks they are is lesser compared to the knowledge that they're a son and a daughter of the Father. 
And that overcoming needs to be in our life as well as pointing out in other people's lives. Fear, as we read earlier, brings the thought of punishment. It's interesting that God wants to come into our lives. He is perfect love, cast out all fear. So in casting out all fear, he's casting out from us the thought of punishment. Some of you will not like what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. You and I are unpunishable. Because of what Jesus has done for us. That doesn't mean because, well, hey, we're unpunishable. Let's go out and get wasted. No. Because we're unpunishable, it makes us desire. Because we've been so forgiven. We've been so loved. We've been so cherished. That we realize that letting creation, letting alcohol, drugs, whatever, that come from plants and come from the creation itself, letting that having dominion over us is not what it's supposed to be like. We're supposed to have dominion and stewardship over creation, not creation have dominion over us. The word dominion is stewardship. It's not subjugation. It's not, you know, putting something down and controlling. It's looking after You know, just to say in terms of of drinking, the Bible says this, that eventually drinking will make a mockery of you. It mocks you. There's something better than getting drunk on wine. It's getting drunk on the Holy Spirit. And the problem is in the church, we've thrown him out so often that we never know what it is to be drunk on the Holy Spirit. Oh, we, well, you know, we don't, we, these, these people who are drunk on the Holy Spirit, we don't like them. They're a bit weird. They're a bit fringe. They're a fringe minority. They're different to us. We're, we're good Christians. No, but the thing is, Sometimes I think we're kind of miserable Christians. Let me just spell it out with all mercy and grace. We don't get drunk on wine, neither do we get drunk on the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, Jeff, yeah. Oh, I wish somebody else was speaking this morning. Don't get drunk. We don't get drunk on wine, nor do we get drunk on the Holy Spirit. That's quite miserable. I remember as a boy, in 1987, being a major, major move of the Spirit in a a Bible week where thousands of people were there. And I was on a site um, in 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 a caravan with my family. And the leaders of the church that I was part of were just about to leave uh, Bryn Jones's uh, ministry. They they thought he was wrong and they were right, you know, contention, fatherlessness, orphan-heartedness. But they were leaders of a large church in Bolton where I came from. And there was a move of God going on in, in, in all the th- meetings, the kids' meetings, the adult meetings. People were on the floor. People were getting healed. People were drunk in the spirit. The whole platform of the guys who were speaking couldn't preach because they were on the floor, couldn't get up. When they got the microphone, they started to laugh. And, and I was in, just as a kid involved in this environment and walked past the, the, the leaders of, of my church, walked past their caravan um, to go to the meeting. You know what they were doing? Three sets of elders Drinking wine and moaning about those in authority in the meeting. That was happening on the same site where there was a move of the Holy Spirit. How, how, what, 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 a, what, a, what unworthiness, 
of heart that we have to get to, to to miss God. I think it's quite easy to miss God. We can miss God and be a very self-righteous Pharisaical Christian and we can miss God because we think, oh, Jesus will forgive me, I'll do what I want to do anyway. We can miss God with both approaches. But God doesn't want us to be either of those extremes. He wants us to be an overcomer. He wants us to be more than a conqueror. Why? Because He loves us. Amen? Amen. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15, you don't need to turn to it, but it says that Jesus came to free every one of us who for all their lifetime have been subject to the fear of death. You know, just because you ignore a fear doesn't mean it's not there. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to ignore it. It's not there. Yeah, it's still there. And eventually, every human being is afraid of death unless they find assurance of salvation in Jesus. But he came to remove that fear of death. The other word for death, the other way the Bible describes death is separation. So death from God's mind means separation. It means it separates. So the fear of being separate, the fear of being isolated, the fear of being on our own, the fear of not having any friends, the fear of not having anybody to relate to, the fear of not having a life partner, the fear of not having good brothers and sisters around you. It's a fear that makes you isolate yourself and in your heart of hearts you want to connect with other people. But when you're going through a hard time, instead of being in community, you run away from community because of that fear. It's not even the real you, but it's that fear on the inside and God God wants to take it away. Well, I'm going through a really hard time, so the best thing I can do is never ring Jeff, never come to the meeting, and just deal with it on my own. That is fear-based thinking. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. One of the hallmarks, one of the works of fear in a community, in a church, in a family is strife and division. Strife and division. And I think it's something that we need to be aware of powerfully. Turn with me to James chapter 3. You still with me? Not saying that because I'm afraid you're not. I'm just saying that so you wake up a bit, all right? James chapter 3. Let's look at what this thing, strife, is all about. James 3, verse, let's read from verse 14. No, let's read verse 16. No, let's read verse 14. Here we go. But if you have envy and strife in your heart, do not pride yourselves on it and thus be in defiance of the truth this superficial wisdom is not from above it is earthly unspiritual and demonic so it's saying here that strife can some translations say contention the word is strife 
Self-seeking is another word it uses in some translations. It's strife. Look at the Greek, it means strife. When you have strife and envy in your heart, this kind of wisdom, envy and strife, envy, a definition of envy would be competing with each other, comparison. I read the Bible more than you. I've been a Christian longer than you. All that competitive nature is envy. And that kind of wisdom, competitiveness in the things of God is not from above. It's not wisdom from above. It's demonic. The Bible says demonic wisdom. It's from the spirit of strife. Are you with me so far? James chapter 3, verse 14 to 16. I'm going to read verse 16 now. For wherever there is jealousy, envy, and strife, this is verse 16, there will also be confusion, listen to this, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Well, brother, I know somebody in the church that slept with somebody else or got drunk last night. That's the evil practice, and I'm better than them. No, you've just allowed every evil practice to come in by your attitude. It doesn't mean we, we, we don't deal with those issues. But our heart in dealing with them is what counts. Do you hear me? So it says here, where there is envy, self-seeking, contention, strife, where all these things are competitiveness, I'm better than you because I read the Bible more than you, all that kind of stuff, it brings confusion into a community, unrest in a community, disharmony in a community, rebellion in a community, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Oh, wow. So we need to understand how to deal with this strife thing, don't we? Well, there's a great book that I would recommend you. I'm going to say the name of the author, which perhaps for some of you will, will put you off. It's Joyce Mayer, but I like Joyce Mayer. And um, <clears throat> she um, has written a book about this whole area of dealing with strife. And she, in this particular book, she relates a story of a gentleman that used to go to a conferences regularly. And on one particular time he went to one of the conferences, um, he just had such a great time. He came into such a revelation of something that God was speaking to him. Got home and had a big blazing argument with his wife. Like a major argument with his wife. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things, if you ever had an argument with somebody, whether it was a sibling, a wife, somebody close to you, and uh, you, know, you know that you're right and they're wrong. You know, have you ever been in that position? Or is it just me? No? Okay. I, okay. Julie's never been in that position. Let Julie, come and start preaching, please. So, so, so all of us can appreciate what we're talking about here, yeah? So basically, they decide not to put into practice the scripture that says, do not go to bed while angry. They go to bed angry. 2 a.m., this guy is woken up by the Holy Spirit. Does he do it at 2 a.m.? Anyway, that's his, you know, we're his servants, aren't we? So 2 a.m., he wakes him up, and he says, I want, you, I want to show you what you've allowed to enter your household. And he gave, gives him this vision. I've took a photo of it. I'm going to give you a, a, a paper copy of it. Some of you may be aware of this anyway. If you can hand those out for me, please, guys. Thank you. I need to have one. This is what God showed this guy he'd let into his house. I don't know if that's come up clearly. 
Okay? It's not something from Lord of the Rings, okay? <clears throat> this is what he saw in the spirit, and it was the spirit of strife. And he saw that by his actions of not forgiving and not coming to a place of harmony with his wife, he was allowing this into his house. And on this sheet here, it talks about the armor that this spirit has, and it's almost a mockery of the armor of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, we do not war against people, but against principalities and powers. But so often we war against people and we get in strife and contention because we don't like what somebody said and therefore we go at them and we don't realize there's something behind it. Jesus hung on a cross after being tortured by people who a week before were praising him and throwing leaves and branches at his feet and they said crucify him. He hung on a cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. But he knew behind it was a demonic force that he was going to crush. You know, so often we have this opinion of Jesus. Oh, he was so nice. Even on the cross when they've done all this to him, he still forgives. Well, I could never do that. Yes, you could if you start seeing in the Spirit. Because you'll see that flesh and blood aren't the originators of this stuff. It's spirits that need to be dealt with. And he dealt with them on the cross... The problem is in 2,000 years, the church who says, oh, we don't believe in strife and spirits of strife and spirits of fear, even though they're in the Bible. We don't believe in them. We'll just have our nice meetings and we'll clap a little bit and we'll take communion. We'll go home and we'll never deal with these things where Jesus said that you need to take all authority and deal with them. And not allow them into our home. You and I create an atmosphere in our home, in our church life. You create an atmosphere by the words that you say into any room you come into. You and I create atmospheres all the time. And we allow certain things in. And here is one example of something we can allow to work. Uh, And these are three particular ways in which this spirit works. Number one, through the words of our mouth. If we have words of judgment, criticism, gossip, tail-bearing that are spoken out of our mouth about each other, about our community, about families, about even, can I say this to you, even about politicians. I don't like that David Cameron. Well, God does, actually. He loves him. He loves him. So are we going to find the heart of God? Or are we going to just keep to our own opinion? Because I thought Jesus was our Lord. Very quiet, brothers and sisters. So, doors that allow strife to enter. Negative judgment, criticism and gossip. You know, I was speaking to somebody, quite a prominent guy, about this whole thing that's happening in the European Union. And he comes from a place of believing, uh, you know, this, this is, you know, God's judgment on Europe and God's judgment on this, that, the other. And, and he said to me, have you no place in your theology for judgmental eschatology? Uh, And I said, well, I can't really repeat that sentence you've just said. (laughs) But, um, so I'll just say no. (laughs) I haven't. What what I have a place for is that the gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. And our job is not to speculate like some kind of, you know, Christian theological stock market speculator, what's going to happen in the end times. But our job is to propagate the gospel and love people. 
Simple. Well, doesn't it say that, you know, in those last, last of the days, we won't be able to even, you know, we won't be able to even oh, buy bread because unless you've got the mark of the beast, you won't be able to even buy bread. I love bread. But the Bible says this, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying there's nothing in the prophecies of end times, but I refuse to make fear my focus. And I, I refuse to let fear deter me from my mission to win people to Jesus and disciple people in the ways of God. That's our mission. Well, brother, I'm on an assignment to bring through interesting pictures of, of, of end times. Well, good for you. I'm not on that assignment, so don't get me into it. I'm not interested. I want to do what God's told me to do. Amen? Amen? Because I don't want strife and contention in the church. What do you believe about the return of Jesus? What do you believe about infant baptism? What do you believe about baptism? We're right, you're wrong. No, no, no. Let's just get on with what God has told us to do. Because even our, our belief that we have a great theology can come from an orphan spirit. Now hear me, I'm not against the scriptures, I'm not against the word of God. I love the word of God, read the word of God, study different interpretations of the word of God, love it. But I'm not going to give my life to something lesser than Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this door can come in and Proverbs 18 verse 6 says this, A fool's lips enter into strife. Is there any fools in here? I see that hand, no. No fools, okay. There's no fools in this room because you are created the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus has become wisdom for you. So you may not be wise in the natural. You may not have loads of degrees or whatever. Or you may not be worldly wise, whatever it would be. But you have the wisdom of God on the inside of you. Jesus Christ. So nobody's a fool in this room. A fool's lips enter into strife. So when you read this in the Proverbs, when it talks about a fool, you can say, my mama ain't raised no fool. You can say that over it, because you're not a fool. So you're reading about somebody else, and you're reading about, I don't behave this way, I don't get in strife, I don't gossip, I don't slander people, I don't get involved, because I'm not this. I'm no fool. I'm a wise man, according to Jesus. Not wise in my own eyes. I'm wise because of him. So I don't get involved in all this stuff. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 12, verses 10 to 18 says this, A fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. It doesn't say a prudent man discusses shame. Oh, you know about Mr. down the road. Oh, what did he do with her, with Mrs. No, he doesn't say any of that. Covers shame. Covers shame. Not digs it up. Well, we, we want to know what happened with that person. We want to know what they did. No, you, you don't. God knows, and he'll, he'll be the judge, not you. Verse 18 of Proverbs 12. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings wholeness. Oh, Father, let the words of our mouths bring wholeness, bring peace, get rid of fear. So that door can be a door where strife enters in, negative judgment, criticism, gossip. The second door is pride. 
Proverbs 13.10 says, By pride comes nothing but strife. But with the well-advised is wisdom. With pride comes nothing but strife. Let me give you an example of pride, religious pride. Well, if they just knew more about the Bible, (laughs) they wouldn't be saying that. They wouldn't be doing that. Religious pride. Well, you know, the teaching of that church is okay, but I also go to five other churches because the teaching of those churches is slightly more theological. Spiritual pride. We're not, we're not consumers. We're to be consumed with Christ. Well, you know, I've studied eschatology, pneumonology, Christology, hermeneutics, all that stuff. I've studied it all. You know, what have you studied? I don't know. I just enjoyed his presence, enjoyed his word, his life to me. Praise the Lord. Let's not get into this spiritual pride. The Pharisees were very good at this. They had the creator of the universe before them. And instead of listening to him, they wanted to catch him out. You're not going to catch out the creator of the universe, are you? But they thought they were so clever and so full of their own self-righteousness. And can I say there, but for the grace of God, go I. I've heard it said so often. Well, I would never do what that person did. I would never fall the way that person fell. I'd never do that. But you know what? Just as God has a tailor-made plan for our life, The enemy knows which buttons to press in us. And just because somebody else's buttons are different to yours doesn't mean he doesn't know your buttons to press. I can't imagine ever doing that, thinking that way. Oh, I'm so much better than that person. No, it's pride. And with pride comes strife because pride means that I'm right, you're wrong. And when we are right, that means war, doesn't it? That means strife. The third thing that opens up to this spirit of strife, and I think it's happened in our country the last few weeks, is debate, negative debate. It's okay debating, asking questions, talking about an issue, talking around an issue, but when it gets nasty, it allows a spirit of strife in. And I've been, I, 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 I've been saddened in my heart seeing some things that have been posted on social media from Christians I simply posted something that says, whether we're in or out of the EU, this this nation needs Jesus and a fearless church. And many, many people put their own position, their own having a go at each other. This is the end of the world, what's happened. And I I just want to say this. Whether Whether you were for Remain or you were for Brexit, whether you were a Remainer or a Brexiteer, Whatever you were, first and foremost, you're a follower of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. And your kingdom is not of this world. It's not the United Kingdom. It's not the European Union. You are, your first allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And because of that allegiance, you're going to be a great subject in any kingdom. That allows you to freely give the gospel. 
So don't let strife in. And how do we get rid of strife? Simply this. Instead of filling our hearts with pride and debate and argument, instead of filling our hearts with negativity and criticism, we fill our hearts with the Word of God. We fill our hearts with the love of God. We fill our hearts with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? The overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. That's what Jesus said. So we fill our, that's our job, to fill our hearts with the right stuff, isn't it? Would you stand with me, please? I've got much more to say. I was, I'll continue tonight, maybe, see how it goes. But I want to read one last scripture, and I want you to close your eyes as I read it and just meditate on this. Because this strife, can, can, we're going to pray in a minute, and this strife can be strongly within a town, a city, a community of Christians. And I just want us to deal with this. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. You can close your eyes, I'll read it to you, but I'm reading from Galatians chapter 5. Just bear with me while I find it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you, brothers and sisters, were indeed called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness and strife. But through love, you should serve one another. For the whole law concerning human relationships is complied with in the one precept, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, in strife, be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another. Wow, what a warning to the church. Father, I just thank you for the freedom you've given us in Christ Jesus. And Father, I thank you that we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves because we realize we are loved. And we can love others with the same love that you've loved us with. And Father, I thank you that your word says that the world will know that we are your disciples by the way we love one another. Yes. 